2: Oh, oh yeah. Right.
1: So I just saw that comment is already, we've got so many comments flying by in the I YouTube chat right now. Okay. So Phil Djerkovic has fired some shots at Brian Kelly. In an article on Boston.com, the former Notre Dame turned Boston College quarterback says he feels reborn at Boston College. And I'm reading an excerpt from the article right here. Fall of 2019, dejected and neglected. At his dream school, Phil Djerkovic could feel his dream slipping away. Ian Book was the quarterback at Notre Dame, and Djurgovic had thrown only 16 passes all season after redshirting the year prior. Just two years earlier, Djokovic had been ranked the number four dual threat quarterback in the nation by rivals. Now he was struck or stuck in quicksand, trapped at a backup role. Here's a quote from Jul Quote: I was almost done with quarterbacking. I was really thinking about this next year. If Book came back, I would switch positions to try to get on the field some other way because I was so frustrated by it, end quote. So he, of course, entered the transfer portal. He's now in his third season at Boston College. Missed some time in 2020 with a knee injury, half of last season with a hand injury. Here's another quote from Dracovic. Quote, I was disappointed by some stuff while I was there. The football team and culture is not what people think it to be. I met a lot of great people. They do a lot of good in the world. It's a mixed bag. I'm glad I went there, and I'm glad I left. End quote. I got one more quote coming up. In year two at Notre Dame, Djokovic found himself regressing. Uh, He was playing worse than he ever had. NFL dream was fading. He knew he had to act quickly and decisively. So he goes home that winter, still unsure whether Book and offensive coordinator Chip Long were going to return he said no one from Notre, the Notre Dame staff was talking to him. His parents met with head coach Brian Kelly and told him that their son was struggling. Jerkovic said Kelly tried to ease their worries by assuring them he would talk to Jerkovic. Quote, Kelly basically lied to their faces about what he would do, how he would talk to me and explain things about the future. He basically lied to my parents. So after that, they were done with him. End quote. He was also. Uh, frustrated with the coaching at Notre Dame, so I lied. I've got one more quote. Quote: <laughs> It wasn't as much about how they treated people because I think they also treated people very badly, very poorly. Some of the coaches there, but it was more about their lack of experience and coaching. End quote. So there is a lot, Vince D'Addario, <laughs> COVID guns scorched earth on not only Brian Kelly but Notre Dame as a whole. So what do you think about all this?
2: Well. I am privy to some information about when Drakovic was here. And he pretty much laid it all out on the line. And I mean, and and he kind of touched on this in an article not that long ago, it felt like, maybe it was a year ago by now, where he kind of talked about his struggles when he was at Notre Dame, et, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure there's gonna be more of this that come out as that game approaches, you know, in November as they you know, get closer to Notre him coming to Notre Dame, et cetera, et, yes. et cetera. For good reason, because it's clickbait and it's really interesting and all of that. Because I look, I was a huge Phil Dracovic fan when he came to Notre Dame. He did get I a bit of were. a he did get a bit of a raw deal when he was here. I just don't think he fit into the plans of the way they wanted to do, do things offensively, and he got kind of left behind, is what it kind of felt like to me. Um, there, there were some promises made, there were some things made that he didn't think were followed through with, and when you Look, it's like any relationship, right? When promises are made and you feel like they weren't fulfilled, you get disgruntled with the relationship and you make a decision. And he made a decision that was best for him. It was to leave and he has flourished at Boston College. No doubt about it. Um, I think that a lot of the people that he had issues with are no longer at Notre Dame. Well, see, and
1: that's that's one thing I'm – you know, it's Brian Kelly is easy to take a shot at. And I've got Absolutely. him no problem. You know, I've got no problem with him taking shots at Brian Kelly if that's what he wants to do. You don't hear college athletes single out coaches very often. That's but if true. there were others, you know, like as much as he is, you know, again, because this isn't, these aren't just shots at Brian Kelly. He's, he's basically subtweeting other people.
2: Well, there was a, there here, I mean, there right? was a pretty blatant shot at Tommy Reese at the end there talking about not having the experience. Because he was a first-time off, or he was a first-time quarterbacks coach when he. But that came. was one
1: season. That was one I, season as well, so. right? But I,
2: that to me that felt like a shot at Tommy Reese. That's okay. what that felt like. And I can see that because he used the word inexperience. You can't really use that word talking about Brian Kelly. If anything, he had experience. I mean, he's been a head coach forever, right? So, I, I think that that was more of a shot towards Tommy Reese. But again, I'm reading between the lines there.
1: See, here's did you did you used to listen like when back when I was at the ESPN station to, you know to Mike and Mike in the morning did you ever hear like when they had Bill Curry come on do you remember Bill Curry
2: Sometimes, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I know who he is. Yeah.
1: Kind of a southern gentleman and you know he's he's been in right. football for a long time, played for Bear Bryant in Alabama, you know, played in the NFL, all that stuff. He was kind of their their voice of reason, voice of wisdom kind of Guy. And Bill Curry would always come on Mike and Mike, and he would always say, There are three sides to every story: yours, mine, and the stone cold truth. That's a fact. And and that's, you know, like we're getting Phil Jerkovic's side of this story. And I'm sure that there is a lot of truth in it. But this is also Phil Jerkovic's side of things. You know, and I'm not I'm not like sticking up for Brian Kelly because I'm sure that, you know, he is, you know a lot to blame in this situation, but he's also, a you know, an easy
2: target. Yeah, he's case. not here anymore. I mean, he's yeah. not here anymore and he's had a quarterback at LSU leave and basically say the same thing. Right. I mean, so you've got two former quarterbacks under Kelly, same, pretty similar things. So it, it's kind of a where there's smoke, there's fire situation. But again, right. These are guys that chose to leave. And when you leave, you're not happy, et cetera. And right. Come
1: up. You know, cause again, there's that there's, Line of not not just line of thought. They they always say that that eyewitnesses are are basically you know some of the worst (laughs) people to rely on because they you know it's because again you're taking one person's version of things you know so again like if you took Chip Kelly and you took Brian Kelly and you know this you know this this whole thing you're going to get different versions of whatever this story is and. So, so I guess how you sort of choose to fold all that together and what you ultimately want to believe the, the, uh, again, I've got no I, I think that Brian Kelly, if there was really that lack of communication, then that's really bad on Brian Kelly. there There should have been more, you know, internal communication. Now, the other side of this though, is like the the parents having the meeting with the head coach, like the parents of a twenty year old man, having a meeting with the head coach at the University of Notre Dame, you know, like you've been a coach, I've been a coach, and that's that's where, like, one, why wasn't Phil Dracovic in on that? Why didn't they all just go in and sit down? You know, I, I don't like the idea of, okay, now the parents have to call the head coach, and now we've got to go in and have a meeting well, and the way kind of things. Now, if Brian Kelly really told them that he was going to talk to Phil Dracovic and then he didn't, You know, again, then then Brian Kelly deserves whatever shots that he's getting. But it's it's just the fact that like the parents have to go in and and get involved in this stuff. Did you raise a man or did you raise someone who have to have who has to have his parents come in and and, you know try to sort things out, especially by the time you're playing Division I football, power five football at Notre Dame?
2: Well, I do believe and if I I, I'm I'm trying to remember how this all went down but I believe he was trying to have that meeting and it wasn't happening okay so he went the next level of my so
1: he got the parents involved right
2: I think that's how it went down don't quote me on that but I'm pretty sure that's how it went down because again if
1: that's that's true then then like what was Brian Kelly even doing you know you're just completely not even you know you're not even not sure you know it's not just that you're not showing up at workouts and you're you know you're pop in, pop out, or whatever, and now you're not even talking to your players, let alone the quarterback, so you feel like you've got to micromanage with everything you Absolutely,
2: do. and that's And that's a huge problem. I mean, clearly there's a communication problem. But regardless of how it went down or who met with who, there's a communication issue there. And if it's a communication issue between the head coach and the player, a communication issue between the head coach and the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator and all of these different things... It's a huge problem. I mean, it was a huge problem. And I think he made the right decision in leaving for himself uh, because he's flourishing over at Boston College. He was able to revive his NFL dream because I think it was pretty clear he wasn't going to play at Notre Dame. And so that's why the transfer portal is there. And he was able to make that work for him. And so I wish him nothing but the best. But it was a bad situation on both sides, frankly. And it was an amicable divorce, frankly.
1: But I also feel like, you know, Chip Long was was let go after running some successful yes, offenses. Yeah. And I don't feel like I don't feel like Chip Long should be let off the hook here either. But you know, the other side of that is okay, so we saw Brandon Wimbush, who again, if you're talking similarities, I'm not saying they're exactly the same guy, but if you're talking similarities, Dracovic and Wimbush are much more similar than Ian Book and either one of them in their style of play. And it felt like Chip felt like to succeed. You know, it was time to go to to Ian Book, and you know. So again, it's like he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at that point. So he had some involvement in there as well. Now, Chip
2: wasn't. Chip wasn't the offensive court, or He wasn't the uh, quarterbacks coach. He was the tight ends coach.
1: That's right. That's, that's right. Tommy was, uh, because, was because Tommy in the inexperience. That's right. He was a great assistant
2: right. quarterback coach, but yeah. So. But no, there's blame to go around. I, I, I mean, I, there's not one person to blame. It just so happens that Brian Kelly's name got dragged through the mud on this one specifically. But there was right. definitely some veiled, not threats. That's not the right word. But there, you know, there were some shots taken at other coaches in there
1: for sure. But again, I, well, and you know, and look, I guess Co- the fact that I, I guess the fact that Tommy is still on the staff would be why. <laughs> That's fair. It wouldn't take a bit when you're going to play him this year. It makes sense that you're not going to take some shots there.
2: But again. Yeah, exactly. And you're not, again, this is one side of the story. You're not going to yes. get a story from the coaches talking about Phil because they're an adult is not going to talk about a child in the media, at least yes. not directly. But yeah, there, there was some, let's just say that there was some uh, interesting things going on while Phil was here from the coaches to the media to, Help their cause. I'm sure that that is a that's a fact.
1: All right, Notre Dame plus 17 and a half odds crazy. against Ohio State. That line keeps moving. It was like 15 just last week. So it's moved two and a half points. Crazy. Just in the last few days, plus 17 and a half. So you're still not getting great odds, minus 118 is what I saw on FanDuel. I, I kind of like the parlay. I you know, I like the points, and then the over-under is 58 and a half. I like the over on that. Um
2: yeah, I don't know I, about you. Oh, no, I like the over on that too. I think the points are going to be scored, especially this being the first game of the season and you know, defenses being what they are the first game of the season, right? I think points are going to be scored here. So I would take the over as well. So maybe you can boost those odds a little bit if you if you parlay the Notre Dame plus 17 and a half and then the over. And you're definitely going to get good odds if you take Notre Dame to win outright. but then you know that's taking a big chance too
1: it's just amazing everyone just thinks that Notre Dame apparently is going to walk into their into Ohio State and and just lay down and Brian, and uh, Marcus Freeman you know was asked at the press conference today about that plus 17 and a half and he he essentially said well we've got we're, we're gonna have to use that as a little motivation it sounds yeah. like this uh, week 17 and a half. It's just crazy
2: to me. It really is. I mean, but these are the same people that think Jarrett Patterson's starting at center. So I just true. I just feel like there's a lot of people that don't understand what Notre Dame brings to the table. On the outside, looking in, you got a new head coach, you got a new coordinator on defense, you got a new quarterback. You got a lot of new things. There's depth issues at wide receiver, there's depth issues at running back. So you can easily make the case from a broad view that this is a bad Notre Dame team. Right? I mean, I guess you could make that case. And that's where the 17.5 points comes from, I guess. But I just feel that's it's an uninformed situation as well.
1: Yeah. Tyler Buckner has plus 10,000 odds to win the Heisman. So that means he's pretty far down the pecking order. But right. you talk about value. You could go throw five bucks at that today. And if he actually wins it, you'd win 500 for just five bucks. You 50, him. you win 5,000, you know?
2: I mean, it's not like I have that kind of money to throw around, but at the same time, five bucks. Five spot out there. I mean, five bucks to win 500. Why not? That's pretty good. And I'm sorry, those odds are going to get worse as you get closer because we, I mean, worse as in you're not going to be able to put five to win 500. I think that number is going to come down as you get through the season because I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman. I'm not saying that, but I am saying he's going to be successful and when you are the quarterback at Notre Dame and Notre Dame is successful look Ian Book came in eighth in the Heisman Trophy voting and he threw 15 touchdowns 15 he didn't play he didn't even play that well and he came in yeah. eighth because he was the quarterback at Notre Dame and they were being and they were good No that's very true and you know there's there's
1: this segment of people who I think it's kind of an old school thinking like the importance on experience. Now, you know, obviously you have experience that's going to help you, but I, you know, I like specifically when it comes to quarterback and whether or not Tyler Buckner is going to be successful this season. And I'm not saying he's going to go out and win the Heisman. I'm not saying, you know, that, that he's even going to be a a Heisman finalist and that he's definitely going to have a great year. I think he's going to have a really good year. Right, I think that I think that probably too many people are placing too much importance on experience because you and I have had this conversation before. Johnny Manziel and Jameis Winston won back-to-back Heisman trophies, I believe it was, or at least you know they we we know they both won Heisman trophies. They were birth, both red-shirt freshmen yeah. that year. They had a year with less experience than Tyler Buckner has and they went out and won the Heisman trophy in their first year as a starter. Bryce Young went out and won a Heisman trophy in his first year as a starter last year. So again, I'm not saying that Tyler Buckner is going to end up in New York and is even a finalist, but I'm also not going to say, well, he doesn't have any experience and, you know, he was inaccurate right. last year and so it's going to be a garbage year and and whatever. I think you're going to see a really good dual threat quarterback manning things for Notre Dame this yep. season you know
2: absolutely no absolutely and like I said those odds are going to get a lot worse as you get closer and closer to the end of the season and again not saying he's going to win it but his odds are going to get better because he's going to play well he's going to
1: Notre Dame has plus 200 odds to win at least 10 games this season I really like that as a value that's actually really
2: that's actually I, I like that as well because 10 for me is the floor I mean that I, I predicted last night eleven and one. I still feel very confident in that, and so if I'm predicting eleven and one, and I can win that at ten, man, I I would be taking that one.
1: Yep. Season over under still sits at eight and a half minus one forty on the over, plus one twenty on the under. Which you know, it's I guess you're trying to you're you're trying to draw the Notre Dame haters in there with the plus one twenty on I the guess. under because I just. I don't know how you're getting money on, but you know Notre Dame fans, I think, are going to be jumping on the over on that, which you should. I you know, there's, did. I, I just, I, I can't. My problem is the value, and I've talked about this. Before. I just that that minus one forty on the over. You know, you've got to bet more money yeah. to have a chance to win anything, right? You know, because I remember betting. I think the the over under last year was was nine and a half. I bet twenty, and you know, that was that was easy money basically. Yeah. It's, it's easy money this year but you just got to bet a little bit more.
2: Right. And that's I did. I bet a little bit more because I'm pretty confident I'm going to get that money back plus a little bit more. But yeah, I I don't like the value of that, but I couldn't not take it because it's just it feels like they're giving money away. I mean, I, I just I couldn't not take it.
1: Yeah, Brandon says he he uh put 100 down on Notre Dame plus 10 10 plus wins at uh plus 266. He thinks. So Okay. I, I like that as well. I mean, you, you can get those kind of odds. I, I, I'd take that to the bank all day. Absolutely. Fill in the blank, Vince. The Irish running back will have the most carries against Ohio State this Saturday. will be blank.
2: See, this one's really hard for me because I do think Chris Tyree is going to start. I think he's going to get the most snaps. But I just don't know if get, I think he's going to get the most touches. I just don't know that he's going to get the most carries. And I know that's why you worded it that way. So, I'm going to take Audric Estime on this one. I think he's going to get the actual most carries even though I think Chris Terry is going to get the most touches.
1: Yep. I am with you and we saw earlier someone I think someone on my Twitter was asking when's Estime going to play. Well, they haven't even played a game yet. So,
2: it's like <laughs> Yep, Saturday is the answer. I mean,
1: look look Saturday night, you're going to see Audric Estime. Look for number 7 coming number out. Seven. I, I agree. I think I think that that Chris Tyree going to be on the field a lot. He's going to have a ton of snaps and the potential for a lot of total touches between the passing game and the running game. But I think Andre Estime is going to be the guy who ends up probably, you know, and now again, this is assuming that the game is playing out the way that we think sure. it is that, that you know, the running game is working the way that we think it is going to be all those different things. I, I think Estime is good for you know, somewhere around 12 to 15 carries Maybe, yeah. maybe even more, you know, just depending on, it. again, how the game plays out. I don't think that you probably want to throw Logan Diggs in there and have him be your yeah. workers. I think I think Estime is ready for it, and with Estime coming back from the shoulder, yeah. I think he's going to get snaps as well, but you're going to ease up a little bit. Yeah,
2: I think that's exactly right. Look, Logan Diggs is available. He He's full go. I just don't think you're going to beat your head against a wall just in case because you do need him for the rest of the season. You're not, you don't want to lose him the first game out because you just keep feeding him the rock. You've got a guy who can get the rock fed to him, and he'll be just fine in Audrick Estime. So as much as I like Logan Diggs, I just don't think that they're going to use him as a primary target coming off his shoulder injury. Yes.
1: Jim Harbaugh says he's made a decision on his quarterback. This is great. He's kind of made a decision on his quarterback. So Harbaugh issued a statement this weekend saying Cade McNamara, the incumbent, is going to start Michigan's season opener against Colorado State. And then J.J. McCarthy is going to start the second game of the season against Hawaii. Then after that, they're going to decide who the week three starter is going to be. So Vince, do you buy or sell Jim Harbaugh's quarterback plan?
2: It is a hard sell. <laughs> like you, How can you not know after spring and fall who your starting quarterback is? You really have to take it into the season and give each guy a start. And then we're going to evaluate the film, you know, afterwards. That's what practice is for. That's why you scrimmage. That's why you do all of these different things. Is I mean, it feels like he's handing out participation trophies to me, Sean. That's <laughs> what it feels like. Make a decision, dude. You are a division one head coach. With college football playoff aspirations, and you can't decide who your quarterback is. Just coming out of the playoff. you got a playoff quarterback exactly. you're thinking about what, benching. What are you doing, man? Like, make a decision. Make a decision. I. This guy's a clown. I'm, it's
1: almost like he doesn't want to make a decision. You know, like he wants to shocked. wash his hands of this or something. And I just, its it feels like he's treating these two games. Now, granted, they obviously feel like they should beat Colorado State and... Hawaii, you know, I, I just I wonder what message it is sending to your team when you're treating the quarterback competition like this. When you're essentially treating Colorado State and Hawaii as exhibition, that's you know, really, preseason games. Like yeah. it's, the, I know he wants to be in the NFL, but that's basically you know, the the attitude that he's got with these games. It's like, well, they're preseason games; they don't really matter. So we'll start one and one, the other and the other. What what happens if they both play really well, or they both really stink? you know, what it's like, exactly. <laughs> or they're both just kind of average, you know, like if, if they play at the same level, someone's got to make a decision sooner or later.
2: It's ridiculous. It ma- you make a decision. It's, it's like when you, you're the when head you,
1: coach at Michigan, you right. get paid to make decisions.
2: It, it, it's like when you run a sport, you're a head coach of a sport that you have to cut kids. And you're like, you know what? Everybody can play. It's no big deal. Everybody can be on the team. It's no big deal. Because they don't want to cut anybody. He doesn't want to have the conversation with one of those quarterbacks. I'm sorry. You're number two. You know, yeah, it sucks as a coach to tell a kid that. But that's why you're paid the money that you are. That's why you're the coach. Come on, man. Just make the decision. Have the conversation. And move on. Do what's best for your football team. Because having two guys at quarterback is not what's best for your football team. That's
1: right. Hard sell for me as well. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Nebraska head coach Scott Frost said this after his season opening loss to Northwestern Saturday. Quote, I think our offensive staff has to learn. You've got to be a little more creative in this league. End quote.
2: Come on, man. Like that's (laughs) what you said after you get done with that. How about, man, I really need to not onside kick when I'm up 11, you know, in the second half of the game. Like, you're going to blame your offensive staff? Dude, look in the mirror. This is a perfect opportunity for Scott Frost to be like, you know what, guys? This one's on me. My fault. I'm the head coach. The buck stops with me. I made some poor decisions. We need to get back to the drawing board and do some different stuff. Da, 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 da. This one's on me. You're throwing your coaching staff under the bus? Dude, if, if your seat wasn't hot before, it's on fire now. Come on.
1: And he just he just hired this guy as well, Mark Whipple, in the off Correct. season. He brought him in. Remember, remember a few weeks back when we did Diddly Doo's, you know, list of top coordinators, you know, big game doofus, and his list of the top coordinator, you know, combinations around the country. And he had Nebraska's in there with you know with Whipple in the top ten, and and the whole thing. And here we go, one game. You're right. It's like. How about you just not do the onside kick when you're up 11 points? Because exactly. that, that swing right the there alone, that swing right there alone cost you the game. And, right, you know, maybe Scott Frost is a good football coach, but I don't think he's a good football coach at Nebraska. I just, that 5-21 and record that he's got in these one-score games now, it all comes to, you know, it's like decisions like that are going to cost you games you know it's it's not just well we had some bad luck and whatever it's like you just you 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 know you blew it you made the decision to onside kick and now you're trying to blame the offensive coordinator I mean everyone in the first half was watching that game thinking Nebraska was going to light up the world this season maybe they still have a good season but I, I guess Scott Frost the contract that he just renegotiated with Nebraska on October 15th, his buyout drops in half from 15 million to Wow! And he loses a couple more games like this after four years of this already. I just, I don't see him making it through the season. I I thought that I don't, I don't know if more of this is on Scott Frost or just that you just can't win at Nebraska anymore because After what Scott Frost did at Central Florida, sure. he seemed like a slam dunk at, back at his alma mater. But it has just not worked at all. And, I mean, let's be honest. It hasn't worked in Nebraska in, like, 25 years at this point.
2: Well, and that's the thing. I, I thought it was a good hire. I really did. When when they made the hire, I thought it was a good hire. You know, he's going back home. He's had all this success as a head coach at Central Florida. You know, he's got the fake ring for a national championship. I, I was, I actually thought that it was a good hire it's been a disaster since day 1 and he does need to go he i mean it was a gift that he was retained after last year and after game 1 you got to be having a you got to be having a serious conversation with this guy you know it just yeah. it's not good that was just a bad showing it was a bad showing
1: and and there there was just there was no reason you had you were up by 11 You've got momentum going in your favor. You had obviously just scored. Like, it's it's one thing if you're playing catch-up and you say, okay, now let's onside kick and see if we can make something happen here and get back into this thing. But he let Northwestern right back in the game, oh, and it just blew up in his face.
2: Yes, he did. And, and Northwestern finally decided they wanted to win the game yeah. in the fourth quarter. I mean, nobody wanted to win that game the first three quarters. It's,
1: it's funny because I was kind of pulling for Northwestern
2: early sad. on.
1: But as the game went on, I kind of started feeling sorry for Scott Frost. But it's like, it's, you know, again, I just I, I don't head. think he's going to make it through this season. I, I think he's his own worst enemy yeah. at this point. Yep. Last question for tonight. Tom Brady was asked about his recent 11-day absence from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at training camp. His response, quote, you know, I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of bleep going on. So you've just got to try to figure out life the best you can. You know, it's a continuous process. End quote. Your thoughts,
2: Vince? So he skips 11 days of work because he's got a lot of stuff going on, basically, is what he's saying. Right? Somehow I don't think that would work with my boss. Be like, (laughs) look, I'm 41 years old. I got a lot of stuff going on. I'll see you in two weeks. Like I just... now. I'm not the goat of deans in the world, so I don't have as much leverage as Tom Brady has, so there is that. But at the same time, like, give me something a little better than that as to why you missed two weeks of work while the rest of your team is working, period. I mean, I know that you're the best that's ever played the position. I, I've come around to that fact, even though I don't necessarily like it, but you should still be there with your teammates. There's something to be said for going through training camp next to your guys even if you're not full go or whatever you know come on man that's a terrible excuse for not being at work
1: I mean he's right to an extent there's a lot of bleep going on you just got to figure out life the best you can everyone's got a lot of bleep going on
2: Exactly. exactly
1: everyone does but we don't just get to walk away for our from our job for now maybe he's got it you know had it worked out and Tampa Bay was fine with it or Sure. Whatever. It, it just, it's, it seems to me that Tom probably should have just stayed in retirement last year. Just right. kind of the way all this is looking. No, none of us, none of us know what the real story is. You know, you got people thinking he was on the mass singer. We talked about that last week. There's all this talk. Was it his mom sick? Was his dad sick? You know, there's all this different stuff. There's talk about, you know, Giselle is, is upset. He's not with the family. Enough. And I and talk, you know, divorce talking. Yeah. But it's like, if it, if it's at that point now, he had to know that it was an issue, what, eight months ago, when he right. decided to retire. And you should you should have just stayed retired. And then he's gonna jump into the broadcast booth afterwards. Now he's not gonna do like the Peyton Manning, I'm gonna sit at home in my den and and do Manning casts and all that stuff. He's actually going to be going out and doing travel once again and there's time to be put into you know being a, oh, yeah. a 45 million dollar broadcaster or whatever it is you know so it's yeah there's a lot of bleep going on you're making a lot of money i guess you just got to suck it up and, yeah. and figure it out you know
2: i mean you, i don't know that it just feels like you had all off season to go on vacation you know with your family if that's what he was doing you you And I also understand that if your wife's unhappy, you do what you got to do to make sure that she's happy. I get that too. Believe me. But there just has to be another way to do it. That's all. That's what I'll say. There has to be another way.
1: Everyone, you know, 99% of the world has real jobs and real world problems (laughs) that they've got to figure out that they can't just fall back on their stacks of money and the biggest mansion in floor, you know, South Florida that you can
2: imagine bigger problems than Tom Brady has. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly.
1: All right. Well, Vince, I think that's going to do it for tonight. We covered a lot again, man. We've got, I mean, every week is going to be like this Monday through Thursday, six o'clock tomorrow. We're going to, you know, we're going to be jumping back into it. We've got some, uh, some key stuff on each side of the ball that Jesse and I are going to be looking at. We'll talk about Tyler Buckner a little bit as well. Wednesday, don't forget market midweek mailbag. Drunk Vigo's like that's it, and it's like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, if you got more questions, Vigo, you know, we can, you know, we can handle a couple here real quick if you guys want to throw some questions at us. But again, we're going to be doing a full mailbag show. That's right on Wednesday. So starting this Wednesday, we're doing midweek mailbag every Wednesday night at six o'clock on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Thursdays, going to have the opposing beat writer. On We'll have some rapid fire after that as well. And, of course, we've got Countdown to kick off on Saturdays from 10 until noon. So, I mean, and then you and Brian. It, now, is it just you and Brian, or is Ryan in on that as well with, with Sunday, the Sunday it's, show?
2: It's yeah. Brian and I. It's the two coaches breaking down the film, and uh, we call it Upon Further Review. And we go back, and we look at the film from the day before and kind of give our, our nuggets of information as if we were, you know, Coaching it up and and uh, talking about it the next day with our team, so uh, kind of an X's and O's. So for those football junkies out there, that's what we're going to be doing.
1: I lost um, Vigo. There, it's not a show without Bobby making.
2: get <laughs> to wait on that one.
1: I don't know. Yeah, appreciate all the positive feedback though tonight. And then uh, there's post game show. Uh, you oh, and Brian yeah. are going to be doing a post-game show after the game yeah, Saturday. Well, all three be in Columbus, you guys will do the post-game yeah. show while I stay and handle all the stuff that someone has to deal with but nobody else wants to.
2: <laughs> and and Ryan and Sean will be on that as well. it be four of us on the post-game okay. show, especially for these away games because Brian and I will have to make our way back to the hotel, and Ryan and Sean will kind of get things kicked off and get things started. But that's why you have to hit the notification bell, people. Because you Boom. never know when that show is going to start. So you want to be notified when that show gets kind of put in the queue and when we're going to start that show. And then those guys will start it. Brian and I will jump in with our emotional take after the game and our ex's <laughs> nose take the next day. When we have-
1: Ooh, I hope it's not too emotional. I hope it's Hold not down. too
2: emotional Saturday night. We'll know, see. Right? All
1: right. So, uh, again, don't forget, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We appreciate you. And we will talk to you <laughs> manana we're doing it we're doing it basically every day yeah we're
2: here now seven days a week and multiple times a day actually there's two shows every day except friday and sunday yeah so there you go i don't know who else is doing that
1: we'll talk (laughs) to you tomorrow ib nation sports talk